Hello and welcome to One Inch Past Scary Podcast. I'm Kirsty Sayer and I'm excited to be with you. I've tried to be with you um, over the last few days and I was unsuccessful because I was messing with myself and um, my mind. I was letting my mind mess with me and I had convinced myself and if you looked at my uh, Instagram yesterday, you'll see that I was laughing at the irony of how frustrated I was getting with the noise. Um, I wasn't having enough of a quiet space to record this thing. And it turns out that that was completely an excuse. Um, I just hadn't gone running for a couple of days. And um, once I ran and all the poison was out, I really need to run. It's just so important for me. Um, I realized, you know, I've, that was a very useful excuse. I was just not in the right headspace to be um, doing that particular podcast because, like I say, I got to run to get the poison out. So um, all the excuses aside, I'm now um, in a much better place and I um, am really excited to talk about this topic today. Um, I told you um, I had a brief and wonderful um, interruption in this series when I talked um, to my friend Jennifer Knowles um, of the Facebook group uh, Four Goals. So check out that podcast or check out that group because they are doing amazing things. Um, it's so wonderful to see how people coming together and living their lives with intention um, in small ways can be so powerful for good. Um, so anyway, before that, that break, um, I was working on the series of what if questions that I asked myself um, on the morning of, of April 30th, when I was just sick of myself. I've had found myself spinning my wheels in really discontented and uh, frustrated place and I was tired of it and then um, I woke up and to my surprise I had these questions and I wrote them down in my journal and I started to experiment with them and they have been changing my life now you might say well Kirsty that's lovely for you so happy but um not very compelling as a um, experiment goes because it's being all of two months. Um, April 30th wasn't very long ago. And I would agree with you. Um, you know, please don't take my experience as, you know, a, a complete vetting on these, on these thoughts. Because turns out, as I've been investigating more and more and reading and listening to a really wide range of um, spiritual thinkers and um, teachers and scientists and psychologists and religious figures from every possible um, religious background and, you know, my goodness, just all sorts of philosophers. It turns out, as I suspected was always the case, um, or I knew deep in my heart was always the case, that these questions really didn't come from my mind at all. They are universal questions as old as time itself and as um, eternal as time itself. And it they have been asked in very similar ways, actually surprisingly similar ways. I was surprised with the wide range of questions, um, you know, the wide range of backgrounds from these question, these questioning people and these these. Uh, deeply spiritual and incredibly intelligent seekers, um, that the questions are remarkably s 
similar in in even in the way they're expressed and when they're not similar um in their packaging you can quite easily parse them apart to find that you know it all comes down to the same truths um, that everybody's really getting at and teaching maybe in different ways you know be it you know an Indian shaman or a um, rock star motivational speaker all of these people are coming down to these same simple truths and I was like wait aha uh-huh, what that was the question I asked and I'm even starting to recognize it in my friends and I'm like wait have you been listening to my podcast because <laughs> you're saying the same things I'm saying and they're like I'm not sure and I'm like wait well okay cool I mean I wanted my ego certainly wanted to believe that I was um, influencing people but then I realized no uh, you know the universe had definitely thrown me a massive bone and has probably been throwing this these truths my way my entire life um, but I was just fed up enough I guess with myself to pay attention this time and that seems to be the case for many people who have something of an awakening to these truths. So while I'm still very, very much new and a novice and a baby and experimenting with these truths, and, and um, yesterday's experience will show that I'm laughably, um, you know, not adept yet. I'm nowhere close to mastering them. I do know that they are, they are profoundly... Um, helpful. They are profoundly helpful. They are the path to peace and happiness. They really, really are. And, you know, if you're not getting uh, little snippets of it from me, then go and, and get them from whomever, because, you know, who whoever can teach you in a way that, that it makes sense to you, because it really does change everything. So, and, you know, there's just countless stories to back that up and countless data, scientific data to back them up. So without further ado, let's, let's talk about the question I asked myself, one of the next question I asked myself that morning. Um, the next what if question was, and I'm just going to read it verbatim, and I didn't really understand it at the time, and maybe I still don't. There's a lifetime's yet of learning and experimenting with this. But what I asked myself that morning was, what if I stop trying to manage the narrative of my life and instead just participate in it and experience it? And then, of course, I quickly answered my naysayer, which um, by saying, this doesn't mean being without direction or having no goals but it does mean staying open and present and trusting in the moment and doing the tasks that I need to do when I'm doing the tasks I need to do to accomplish my goals. And that's so similar to the other uh, question I'd asked previously was, what if your success is a foregone conclusion? But this is more sort of into the nitty gritty. This is like, what if you just participate in your life? You, You are present in whatever moment you're in. Now, since then, my, you know, my, my seeking, which has been really kind of um, informal, you know, I, I don't want anybody to think, you know, like I packed a backpack and went out and, and you know, hiked uh, the Himalayas and, and, you know, hung out with uh, 
a Tibetan monk or, you know, sat in a Buddhist temple and, and ignored the mosquitoes uh, around me and really kind of had this spiritual awakening. It's been a matter of um, trying to be uh, really mindful in what I'm reading and absorbing, um, replacing listening to music with uh, running and listening to podcasts uh, from different spiritual thinkers. I found that Oprah's uh, Soul Conversations has been a really useful way to get um, little tastes of a lot of different um, disciplines and thinkers who are all kind of into this concept, into these similar concepts at, at the end of the day. Um, but more, you know, I've been reading lots of books and uh, the information is just all around us. It's when you when you start wanting to tune into it, it's you know, it's a matter of having enough hours in the day, truly, and having um you know, I get to the point where I'm just so um overwhelmed with information and, and all the truth of it that I just need to sometimes just take a break to absorb it all. But so, you know, when I'm saying, you know, my my seeking, I don't want to make it seem that it's this big and intimidating path it's not it's it's really easy you know if you if you have access to the internet for one thing it's it's incredibly easy um and i've also been trying to meditate uh really really consciously every day i've been setting aside time and being a lot more disciplined in my meditation practice so um, and that's helping me to understand this more. But like I say, you know, there's there's blips, there's blips, and it really takes um, getting back on getting back on the wagon again every day and being intentional about it. So the first thing that you know, my naysayer came back and said, well, "Isn't that the ultimate carpal Kirsty? You know, because I my mind in the past has been really unkind. It's been very mean. I I have a really unkind inner voice, and I'm really sorry for all the people who've had to associate with me because that inner voice often uh, leaks out of my own mind. And so any unkindness that I might have spoken to you was just me speaking it to me ultimately. So, uh, yeah, please accept blanket apologies for all the people who've had to hear my my very unkind inner voice. But what it said was, you know, Kirsty, well, isn't that convenient? Doesn't that take away so much responsibility if you're just going with the flow? If you're just living in the moment and if you're just participating in your life and not managing it, uh, what the hell? <laughs> like, seems like a bit of a cop-out. And actually, it turns out that it's not at all. It's the ultimate um, antithesis of a cop-out. So let's talk more about that. Um, an analogy that comes to mind, and it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, without its issues. So just bear with me on this. But if you um, were to find yourself in a huge body of water, say a huge ocean, and <clears throat> you knew, excuse me, <clears throat> you knew that you had at least two or three days before help was coming your way. You're out there in this ocean in the, you know, nothing but the baking sun overhead and all the scary, scary ocean things beneath. Um, and you're just, that's you, man. Good luck to you. Um, what would you rather be if you were, would you rather be an incredibly, incredibly strong swimmer who had no idea how to float 
just as strong as they come. The Michael Phelps of swimming, but you never understood the concept of floating. Now, of course, this would never happen because in order to swim, you have to understand the concept of floating. But okay, that aside, right? Work with me here. So you didn't know how to float. You didn't know how to float, but you did know how to swim. And man alive, you had the most powerful body, you're Michael Phelps. Um, would you rather be that or would you rather be someone who wasn't um, a particularly strong swimmer, but you know how to, you know how to float. You're really solid when it comes to floating. Um, well, I think, you know, all of us with a little thought or maybe no thought at all can agree that it's going to be a lot more beneficial to you to know how to float in these circumstances. Because if you're two days away from rescue or land, um, no matter how strong a swimmer you are, um, you're going to have to contend with some serious currents, right? You're going to have to contend with giant waves if you're in the middle of the ocean, and they do get very big. I was on a cruise ship last year, and those things are, they're gigantic. They're like high-rise buildings, and they're full of people and and, and an incredible amount of food for one thing and and casinos and just in just they're huge huge weights and they are um nothing against a really big storm right they they are nothing against the waves of even a moderately big storm they they move considerably and we've all seen you know those horrifying videos of cruise ships in in you know in a really big storm it's it just goes to show the ocean is more powerful than a cruise ship. It's more powerful than the most powerful swimmer for sure. So if you, you've got to learn, you've got to be able to um, go with the flow, to be able to work with waves, to relax into a wave, to maybe swim under really big ones um, and sort of sit them out and, and to go with the currents. You're powerless to them. And so how is that, you know, not giving up? Well, it's not giving up because you don't just go, well, look, I'm two days away. Anything could happen. So I'm just going to, you know, turn on my stomach and, and give it up and drown. Of course not. You're, you're still going to float. You're still going to try and work with the currents. You're still going to, um, you know, try to catch the ones that look as though they're moving more towards land than not. Um, you know, when you can swim, you will swim, but knowing how to float is imperative. Okay, I think I've worked that analogy to its natural death, but um, let's talk more. I, I, I like, I love the way that Deepak Chopra has put it. And, and Deepak Chopra has said one of the most, you know, just has confirmed, I was all delighted when I discovered him along with others had said that you've got to give in to the moment you have got to surrender to the moment and be present to the moment because the moment is all we have and until you learn to do that until you learn to be present with the moment um, you aren't really free you can't really experience tr true joy because no matter how wonderful anything is that's offered to you in that moment if you if you do not have the ability to be present you cannot enjoy it properly you cannot experience joy you cannot experience contentment and so um what he, the way he puts it is that he said that your acceptance um your, your acceptance of the moment has to be complete ultimately you have to work towards that and that means that you're accepting things as they are not as you wish they were 
in this moment. He said it is important to understand that you can wish for things in the future to be different. That's fine. You can have hopes and goals for the future. But you must accept that in this moment, things are as they are. And so he goes on to elaborate. So when you feel frustrated or upset by a person or situation, remember that you're not reacting to that person or that situation. You are having feelings, right? And your feelings are not someone else's fault and they're not the circumstances fault. And when you recognize and understand this completely, then you are ready to take responsibility for how you feel and how to change it. So it turns out that it's the absolute opposite of a cop-out. Sorry, you know, the truth is it's the absolute opposite. It brings all the responsibility to you, which is a wonderful and terrible thing. It's wonderful if you're ready to accept it because then you have the power to do whatever you want to do with your life. It's terrible if you resist responsibility. If you if you fear responsibility, then it's terrible. Then you'll keep looking for for a reason that other people and other circumstances are your problems and you'll be stuck in that that trap forever and that's sad but if you are willing to accept the responsibility and having accepted what he says is having accepted the circumstances the event this problem and you accept the responsibility of all of that as your own and nobody else's i'm i'm paraphrasing this a lot by the way sorry not direct quotes um Then this means, and this is a direct quote, then this means that you have the ability to have a creative response to the situation as it is now. All problems contain the seeds of opportunity and this awareness allows you to take the moment and transform it into a better situation or thing. And he says, once you do this, then every so-called upsetting situation will become an opportunity for the creation of something new and beautiful and every so-called tormentor or tyrant will become your teacher. So reality is an interpretation and if you choose to interpret reality in this way you will have many teachers around you and many opportunities to evolve. And evolving means ultimately having pure joy and bliss and peace and being at one and and recognizing that the universe really is trying to give us stuff. There's so much abundance. It's constantly, it's all around us. And I think all of these spiritual um, seekers and even, you know, and and we tend to think of those people in robes wandering around in the wilderness, but um, they often take the form of scientists and they often take the the form of, um, you know, incredibly successful businessmen who have understood that this abundance is all around us and it's how we interpret it that really matters. So um, I want to tell you a couple of ways in which this is affecting my life because I can can crack open Deepak Chopra and tell you, you know, I've had this awakening and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. So you talked yesterday and you showed us a screenshot of how you were like losing your effing mind yesterday because you couldn't find quiet. Um, so it doesn't seem like this is really doing much for you. And that, and yesterday it wasn't because I was, li- I was not listening to the wisdom of my inner self, which knows that I need to run, that that's how I get the poison out. Um, but I'll tell you a really powerful experience that I happened. And anybody who knew me as a younger mother or even more recently as a mother will remember that I was pretty tightly uh, wound up about stuff. Um... I was mothering from a place of my own um, 
damage. And before I understood what that damage was, and this is where I, I put in my, my daily plug for therapy. Um, I really think that therapy is very, very useful in this whole process because accepting things as they are now has really, is really what therapy has brought me. It has helped me to understand why I did the things I did, why I interpreted reality um, very, very falsely in many ways because of the conditioning um, that I had adopted um, in childhood to survive the abuse that I experienced and to cope with it, and it was no longer serving me. So therapy really does beautifully work hand in hand with this. Some people may think, oh, well, you know, how can you say accept things as they are now and then go, oh, but go to therapy and dig up your price and really examine that. Well, honestly, um, bad news if you're looking for a reason not to do therapy or not to face the difficulties in your past and face your demons. It has to be done to get to the point where you accept now is now. As far as I, I mean, I might be wrong. There might be other ways. But as far as I'm concerned, it's been hugely integral into, in bringing me to where I am now. And it really is helping me to let go of that price, just understanding it. All right, plug over. So um, how this, these mental shifts have helped me in um, my parenting. One example, there's been countless of them. Um, but one example recently was um, when I found myself at the pool with Ella. And it was a fun day at the pool. And they were doing this really cool activity where they had the kids um, line up around the pool. And there was going to be a treasure hunt. So they had all these junky toys that you get at the dollar store. You know, it's like, it wasn't like they were throwing gold bullion into the pool. It was like junky plastic toys, whatever, you know. Um, and the kids were super excited. And there were tons of them they were like shoulder to shoulder all the way around the pool and Ella strolled over and she was thrilled you know and I watched her from my little plastic reclining uh, seat by the pool I watched this I observed this and I observed as the organizers and the lifeguards started throwing the stuff in the pool and I noticed that most of the stuff was um, being thrown towards the side where Ella wasn't. It just so happened that it was. And I noticed this and I thought, well, it'll all shake up because especially then they started to, they asked the kids to start kick their legs so everything could kind of be moved around. And I noticed, weirdly enough, that when they kicked their legs, things settled even more towards that one side. And I noticed this. And I also noticed the sensations in my body start to rise. And I noticed that I started to get slightly anxious. And I asked myself about that anxiousness. I started to get this tightness in my stomach and this kind of like um, agitation in my limbs. I wanted to start to move towards the pool. I wanted to get involved. And I wanted to quietly point out to Ella that if she maybe shifted her position and moved more towards the other side of the pool, she'd have a better chance of getting the toys. And I asked myself the question, like, why do you have this agitation? Why do you want to leave your chair where you're perfectly comfortable? And Ella's very safe over there at the end. Why are you having this agitation? And I realized because... Um, I'm operating from a place of fear and scarcity. I'm operating from a place of my own childhood, feeling that my needs weren't met, feeling that I wasn't getting enough love, feeling that I wasn't understood, feeling that I wasn't safe. This had nothing to do with me being a better mother to Ella. This had nothing to do with Ella not having more than enough, a plethora of plastic 
crap in her in her room, which drives us both bonkers on the regular and makes us have to haul it all out and donate it kindly to somebody who probably doesn't want it or need it either. And none of this had anything to do with me being a, a good mom. And then it made me think of the times that I have that same sensation in my limbs and that same sensation in my chest and that agitation and that that noise in my mind when I used to watch my cute, sweet little children who were peaceful children and they were not operating from a place of scarcity. And they would stand very calmly at the library when the little librarian at the end of story time would say, okay, everybody put your hands on your head and I'll put a stamp on your hand. And they loved that stamp. And I used to watch them line up and, um, other kids push in front of them. More aggressive kids, more assertive kids would push in front of my kids and that agitation would well up. And I would often fuss and I would go over to my kids and say, excuse me, you're pushing in front of Gabe. Excuse me, Caroline was there. Excuse me. No, that it's Finney's turn now. Or I would say to my kids, hey, I don't think that she noticed you. Put your hand up higher. She'll come. Now, what is the worst thing that could have happened to my kids in those days, right? The worst possible outcome as I see it, and I've looked at all possible outcomes. <laughs> this is the worst thing that could have happened, is that my sweet, patient, serene children, who were not coming from their own personal place of scarcity, would have stood there calmly and they would have observed their surroundings happily and waited patiently and indeed the librarian would not have noticed them which is very and highly unlikely because we had some very sensitive librarians but they would have not noticed them and she would have put away her stamp pad and she would have stood up and started packing up her things and walked out and then perhaps I could have intervened and said hi uh, there's my three children they still got their hands on their heads do you would you mind just giving them a stamp and she would have happily done that and we would have all gone on our way. But instead I projected my scarcity and my angst and my crap onto those sweet serene children. And they took that and they absorbed that into their sweet little, you know, bodies and psyches and maybe have approached life with an increase in scarcity ever since. And isn't that a tragedy? Isn't that a freaking tragedy? How sad is that? And I recognized all those things, and I said to myself that day, Kirsty, you will stay on your plastic chair until six o'clock this evening, if necessary. <laughs> you will not put your crap on this child on this day. You will sit in your chair. And the whistle blew, and the kids jumped in. They jumped into the pool, as kids do, and the bigger ones went ahead and grabbed as many things as they could. And I felt the agitation. Why didn't they tell the kids each got one? Well, I'm sure they did tell the kids. Kids don't listen. And I sat. And at one point, I saw kids pushing. And I saw a kid pushing Ella. And my little hands gripped on my little chair. <laughs> my little hands had to actually grip my little plastic chair. Go ahead and laugh because you should, because this is the most ridiculous thing. But this was the most powerful lesson maybe I've ever learned in parenting. Or at least one of them. Sit on your chair, Kirsty. Sit on your chair. And I watched Ella and I watched her little brow furrow. And I watched her looking and looking and waving and uh, wading round and round and round. And I watched her persistence. And I watched kids jumping out of the pool with a big hole 
and running away gleefully. And I watched the pool get emptier and emptier and emptier. And I saw there was nothing left in that pool. And I watched Ella continue to walk around. And I was impressed. And the agitation quieted and calmed the longer I sat on that chair. And I looked at my little girl and I admired her. And I thought, look at that tenacity. Look at that kid who just keeps looking. She's just looking. What a kid. I'm so amazed by that child. And I loved it. And I had so much joy and peace in watching her walking around that empty pool. And I didn't feel sadness. Oh, that poor little girl. I didn't feel pity for her. I was like, this kid has got it going on. She just keeps looking. I'm amazed. And by the time she got out of the pool and said, she came to me and she said, pretty calmly, pretty matter-of-factly, Mommy, there's nothing left in the pool. I didn't find anything. I did not have to fake as I have in the past, that bright little voice, which was, by the way, the most evolved I used to be able to be as a mom was to be able to fake it. There were plenty of times when I would have said, yes, I know, because all the other kids were selfish little brats and didn't listen, and they took too many. I'm really sorry, baby. We'll get you something on the way home. We'll go by the dollar store. Maybe I'll take you to McDonald's. What the hell? Okay, so at some point, I'd evolved maybe slightly past that, where I could at least get control of myself enough to say, well, that's okay. You have plenty of crap at home. We don't need more junk, right? This time, I actually felt that, and I was not just calm, but joyful when I said, I know, I know, but Ella, I loved watching your persistence. You're amazing. It was so cool. And I saw my joy literally transfer into my child, and I saw her spine straighten, and that joy become part of who she was. And I'm actually getting a little bit choked up not talking about it, because I saw her believe that and and recognize that in herself and go, I am, I'm so persistent. And I realized that later on in her life, she's going to remember somewhere at some time when things get really rough. But I'm persistent. I've got this. I'm a persistent person. And she, she knew it. She believed it. And I saw it in her spine that day. And I was so, so grateful for that moment, which that lesson which said stay in this moment and just watch that kid and let her be and I'm sorry for getting emotional I'm surprised by it I'm surprised by it and I'm I'm trying to stay in this moment now and not be sad for all the crap I put on my my other kids and hopefully with time together we can work that through and, and undo it for them but I'm so so happy that Ella had that moment because I honestly did see it become part of who she was and the gift that that will give her in the future is just irreplaceable right so that's how it's helping me that's how it's working for me and I hope it works for you too you guys um, staying in this moment accepting responsibility for this moment and these circumstances and um, taking joy in them and realizing they are what they are, accepting them completely. And you know, if you need another visual for how that looks, let me offer you this one last one before I end this. I was sitting on my deck, um, not my deck, on my rooftop where I have this little rooftop garden that I've that I love and it's so it's so simple but it's so serene and I was sitting there and I was looking um, 
at the end of my meditation, I, I actually had my head turned upwards. So the first thing I saw, and I was meditating on this, on staying present, on figuring out what that looked like. And I opened my eyes, and this is going to sound contrived because it was so perfect, but it it's not. It was. It's. It truly happened, and and perfect, beautiful things happen all the time when we are open to them. And I opened my eyes, and I saw this bird of prey. I want to say it's a hawk, but that sounds maybe a little too romantic. It could be anything. It was some kind of bird of prey. Maybe it was a turkey vulture. I don't know. Big, huge wings, and it was um clearly hunting. It was right above me in the way that I could see the way the mechanics of its body worked in a way that I've never been able to observe before. Because frankly, I've always really had some sense of revulsion towards birds of prey. But this time I was really just in a relaxed and peaceful place and I just observed it. And I noticed how it moved its body in really subtle ways. For a moment, it became smaller. It's sort of like, I don't even know how to articulate it. It looked like it sort of balled up the middle of its body just a little bit and then I watched how it adjusted itself and then its wings to catch the thermal the air draft the the warm current beneath it and it spread out and I watched it, it I could physically see it catching the current and then it continued to hunt it continued to survey its area but it used that current And I thought, wow, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to to be in this moment and to go with the flow that the universe is offering us. That's what it looks like. It doesn't mean giving up. It certainly doesn't. That hawk or whatever it was, was still certainly doing the work of hunting. It was absolutely doing it. But it was... um, going with the flow. It was using the current that had been offered to it beautifully to make it so much more effective. And so if that image helps you as it helped me, um, I offer that to you. I offer it to you and I was so grateful that I had that. Um, I hope it's helpful. And um, the book that I was reading to you from is called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. And um, it really works for relationships. It's actually, um, you know, can be applied to abundance of any kind, including um, monetary wealth and affluence. So check that out if that appealed to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to keep talking to you about these things and how they're changing my life and how I know they can change yours. And I hope you're doing well. Please let me know if you have any thoughts or questions or comments or anything else to offer. I'd love to be in contact. You can actually use um, the Anchor app to send me voice messages, but you can also drop me a line wherever I am on Instagram. I'm still under Momity Kirsty on Facebook. Um, I have my page. Um, I'm also under Kirsty Say. I have a public page and I have my website, One Inch Pie Scary. I'll be putting um, some of these highlights on my One Inch Pascari YouTube channel, hopefully very soon. Thank you again for tuning in, and I will talk to you again very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.